I never wanted to do drag. Other people wanted me to do drag. Hello, I am Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. Now, one of the very big perks of doing this show is that I get to reach out to people that I admire with the flimsy excuse that I want to interview them for the podcast, and then just get the opportunity to talk one-on-one with them for a few hours. And uh, this week's guest is one such example of this, Regina Gently, who you may also know as her alter ego, Gentleman Reg, is a singer, songwriter, and drag performer from Canada, who has worked alongside Broken Social Scene, The Hidden Cameras, and Owen Pallet, to name a few. And as Reg, she even appeared in John Cameron Mitchell's film, Short Bus. And this is a bit of a record for Lost Spaces, as this is going to be the third time that we have featured The Beaver, a dive bar set up by the visionary Will Monroe in Toronto's West End that closed in 2020. In the late noughties, Reg was working at the bar, and it's where he first fell in love with drag, which is where Regina comes into the picture. We talk all about getting into drag relatively late in life, transitioning from indie rock to dance music, and I continue my age-old tradition of discussing Celine Dion with Canadian guests. I was just doing this job to mm-hmm. get some to pay my rent so I could keep like making music. So it really was um, you know, it wasn't my passion. I was like, oh, this is here, I'll just do this. Um, it was a really weird time for me in Toronto because those because I was doing so much, that was the time that I was like on the local, on the cover of like the local free paper that we have called now and um, an extra magazine. And like, that was when I was getting most of my press as well. So mm. then to also be waitering in the, in the hippest, queerest bar that had just, you know, come on the scene. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of like confused customers or like people who had seen me perform. Or, and so that added this weird element where I'm just trying to like serve and remember their order. And then they want to talk about like, the music, the Canadian music industry <laughs> and how devastating it is, yeah. Was, was there anything there about your ego or was it just about the way they interacted with you? No, for sure. It was hard for my ego as well. Yeah, yeah, imagine. Like, like on mm-hmm. this one hand, there's like things are blowing up. This is really exciting. And then on the other, it's not covering yes. the rent. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think that would be true for any artist. I mean, it's mm. like that sort of cater waiter. I mean, I feel like there have been entire shows. (laughs) I feel like there was a whole sitcom like just based around waiters. I can't remember the name of it, but. Was it waiters? Maybe. Um, (laughs) 
And um, it is such a weird thing, isn't it? That like, especially with the music industry and maybe other entertainment fields, because the public is so exposed to it or a facet of it, they all think that like, if you're like that it's easy to make it sustainable and that you're a failure if you haven't and like they don't really understand necessarily what the realities are and so you're kind of caught in this weird position of like do I explain to them like how fucked up the industry is or do I just kind of let them have that weird view of me being a kind of failure Mm -hmm. and and all the internalization of that as well yes (laughs) yay music yay (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and it makes you know it just added a whole other element to you know what I was trying to do which was just give them their order and you know (laughs) but did it increase tips was there a correlation between people who recognized you and the amount you got tipped um I think it did actually yeah it's (laughs) funny you said that because I think there was like a little bit of you know some people felt sorry for me um this is also not, you know, this is like a small percentage of people. Obviously, it was not uh, that well-known. But, I mean, Toronto is not really that big. And um, and then the queer scene in Toronto is, like, not really that big. And then the alternative queer scene in Toronto is, you know. So, yeah. So, there were, you know, yeah, there were fair people that uh, I think tipped me a little bit more than I deserved <laughs> for... Uh, for the service skills I was providing, but. What do you like when people recognize you? Are you like, hey, yeah, let's talk. Or are you like, ah, oh, this is really jarring and weird. Don't talk to me, please. Um, or somewhere in between. Now I'm just like, I'm like, I'm thankful that people recognize me now um, at this age. I mean, back then, yeah, I was, I was good with it. You know, that was, it was different. I mean, do you mean just like outside of? Yeah, you just in any context, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was much more natural because it would because I was like, well, thank God you recognize me. I'm like, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, and of course, my look as a boy, which you can see your podcast listeners, I guess, can't, but I have this very white look, like on the verge of albino sort of thing. So um, that also. <laughs> I just got known Is that for what like grinder profile says my hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For those seeking about by now, pasty skin. on the verge. Yeah, but I did. I mean, I actually used to do a lot of art. Like I, I used to get photographed for people's art projects and stuff because of uh, when they wanted like someone who looked like an albino, <laughs> I would get called. <laughs> And I probably did that five or six times. And then um, and then that's also why I got in. I'm in the movie uh, Short Bus, the John Cameron mm-hmm. Mitchell film, playing an albino. So um, <laughs> it's not, you know, this is not just in my head. It was like a real thing that I was like known for, getting jobs for. Um, and so, and then my point is, you know, it's just if I'm in a crowd, like my freaking hair just... Like yes, a, yeah, very distinctive. Yeah, it's like a beacon of, uh, of blondness. I have this weird thing. If people recognize me and approach me and want to talk to me, I'm always just like, oh, I'm going to be such a letdown. 
<laughs> oh, like, yeah. Oh, I don't know what to say because whatever I say is going to be disappointing. <laughs> yes, well, I have been disappointed by meeting people I've Ooh, loved. I will tell admit. Me who, tell me so, who. Um, well, mostly music people that I probably shouldn't. Well, I mean, who's going to Although know? it's not like they're listening. Yeah. yeah. Who is it? Well, yeah. Um, so back in the... Yeah, 90s, early 2000s. I was really into like the sort of grunge era, era um, like uh, Liz Fair, Hole, Juliana Hatfield, like all of that kind of stuff. And um, I did <laughs> meet Juliana. I had seen her like probably 10 times live. And um, were you always up the front being a fanboy? Um, I don't think I was actually, because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was a fanboy, but I wasn't like the screaming okay. kind of like jumping in the front row. But yeah, I did meet, so I had like a chance to open for her and it fell through and I had a chance to interview her once for um, a paper when I was writing for like student newspapers and stuff. And so through that, I... I was like, oh, I bet I can meet her like at the show because I interviewed her. And um, it just it just was the most absurd situation where I went to the show. I was living in a different city at that time. So we drove to the show with my friend. I, of course, was on the guest list because I had interviewed her. And then my friend couldn't get into the bar they wouldn't accept her ID for some reason. Like she was totally of age. She had a driver's license, which is like our, it's like our main ID here. And, um, and they wouldn't let her in. So we were oh, just wait, like, so, sorry. So she didn't have the, she didn't have a driver's license with her. No, she did. Oh, okay. She had it. They just thought it was fake for some reason. Oh, it was okay. like oh, so weird. I don't know. It was worn. It had been worn out and, Anyways, it like this whole saga ensued. We're like totally defeated. We go to leave. And then Juliana is like walking towards the venue, like with, you know, a handler or manager or whatever. And, uh, you know, so admittedly, I was like pissed at this point. So I kind of freaked out and I was like, oh my God, Juliana, you have to help us. Um, you know, and just went on this diatribe of like, I interviewed you and uh, I'm here with my friend and we can't get into the show. And like, we drove an hour to get here. And she's just very shy. So, I mean, this story, it's like, it's almost not, it's like her fault, but really she just sort of like, it was like a snail going back into its shell. And she just was like, I'm sorry. I don't know what I can do. I just like walked into the venue. And we were both just so you know, disappointed and distraught by that. But, uh, you know, I was probably, um, I probably scared her. Somewhat unreasonable in your request. But see, that's the thing. Like, yeah. like what could she have done other than let you down in that instance? Like, there's so much pressure on her. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, as if, you know, I mean, she doesn't know who we are. Yeah, maybe. You spoke we to me once just... for half an hour. You should be my best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, as if a band is going to, uh, fight that fight for the, you know, this friend who, uh, can't get in anyways. Uh, okay. So that was an aside. What were we talking about? People, people recognizing you living up to their expectations. Well, we talked about me waiter, like, you know, working at the beef as a waiter. Um, 
How, how often did people hit on you? Oh, as a waiter? Um, um, I don't think people would hit on me as a waiter. Oh, that's boring. Yeah, I know. <laughs> people would hit on me in drag, for sure. People would hit on Regina. But as a waiter, no, I don't think so. How do you feel about being hit on as Regina? Well, it was fascinating um, to me because, I mean, she looks nothing like me. So it was like a whole different kind of person that was hitting on me. Um, Like straight men would kind of like give me eyes and look at me in a way that like I never would get looked at, right? So, yeah, so that was kind of a fascinating revelation. Like, oh, some people find, you know, drag queens you know, attractive. And then I realized that it's actually a thing, right? Like I didn't know that that was like a thing Mm. that drag queens deal with is like, you know, men hitting on them or this specific kind of man hitting on them. But, you know, I got into it. (laughs) Well, you know, depends who it is as with anything, but you know, the odd guy, I was like, okay, you're you're handsome. You're handsome. And then what? And then what? Fill, Fill in the blanks for me. And then, you know, sure, buy me some drinks. We can, uh, like, let's make out, you know, who knows. Um, all manner of things. But, yeah, it's like, you know, it's a, I'm also a fantasy, right? It's like, it's not... <laughs> I don't think any like uh, anything like that could lead to a relationship or... Um, yeah, that's the weird thing, isn't yeah. it? Because you've, you've got this different, like... Um, outer shell but the core is the same and like like being aware of mm-hmm. the fact that they're not interested in the inside bit oh god i mean they're interested in some right. of the inside bits but you know they, they're not interested in who you mm-hmm. are <laughs> like, <laughs> right that's kind of yeah that's like uh, yeah as long as you kind of keep it in perspective and kind of understand that that's the game you're playing um, yeah exactly but yeah that could yeah. fuck with your brain quite easily i think i'm sure I'm sure. I think because I, I always kept it as, um, maybe because of my, like, age. I wasn't, like, a 19-year-old, you know, drag queen being, like, swept off my feet. It was more just like, oh. Free drinks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll have another. Yes. I'll have a double, actually. Uh, you know, I could play, you know, with them as much as they could play with me. Yeah. Sort of thing, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's extending the performance. You are a performer, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about your first time in drag. Mm-hmm. What, like, so whenabouts was this? It's, um, well, it's been, it's been ten years actually. Is it ten years? God, twenty. I think it was twenty eleven. Was my first time in drag. And so what was the inspiration? Like, what what made you want to try it? Um, well, that's the crazy thing. I mean, so I'm old. I'm very old. So I'm now, I'm 45. Okay, So hang on, hang the on, first on, time on. I did just, drag... Just, like, let's just go back. That's not very old. Okay. It's not. But my point was, when I first <laughs> did drag, I was 35. Which, like, like that's is kind of old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know... Considering, you know, most people are like in their early 20s or teens. Do we think that because of the, like the current climate or has it always been the case that people got into drag very young? Um, I think it's always been the case. Okay. I think it's younger for sure now 
like even younger. But um, yeah, I feel like it, it, it was always like a youth thing or yeah. It's usually a calling. Well, that's what made it so unusual is like to answer your other question is I didn't really, I never wanted to do drag. Mm-hmm. Other people wanted me to do drag. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, Yeah. Well, Will Monroe, like who, you know, started the Bieber, he always thought I should do drag um, because I was a singer and he just thought like, you know, you'll do drag, but you'll sing live. And there, you know, there have never been that many drag queens doing that. So he just thought, and that's the kind of person he was, right? Like he was like the visionary. And I just thought at the time when, you know, 2008, nine, like, I was like full indie rock singer songwriter mode. And I was like, well, why would I mm-hmm. do that? Like I'm doing this. Uh, it just didn't, I just didn't see it for me, even though I would go to those parties and have a great time and knew, knew that scene. I just didn't see it. For me. And, and there's kind of a snobbery, isn't there? Like in the, like, I'm a serious, sorry, this is not like me saying you're, you were a total snob, but there's like in mm-hmm. that scene of like, I'm a serious singer songwriter. I'm like, you know, all about the music there. It's very, very right. easy to denigrate and look down your nose at drag as an art form and anyone who makes music. as For a drag sure. Artist. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially back then, I mean, now it's so mainstream and, you know, you have these crazy successful drag performers, but back then, even mm. 10, 12 years, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't at all like that, you know, it was great and you still had great performers, but you know, no, not really many people were like, oh, I'm going to get into drag because there's tons of money in that, <laughs> you know, in that art form. It wasn't really like that. It was like, you just kind of did it because you were crazy or it's what you wanted to do or, um, but it wasn't really like a career choice back then. Mm. I, I mean, as I don't know, it wasn't certainly wasn't for me or in my world. And so, but then the yeah, and then there was so Will was one, and then there was you know other people saying the same thing, and then eventually Hot Nuts just asked me to perform at their party, and um, and I said yes, and they said you have to do it in drag, and I said okay, and then. I had about a month from when they asked me to the show to come up with a look and an act. And um, and how much did you flip-flop in that month? Um, oh, I committed. I was never going to, like, back out. Oh, okay. Like, so you were never like, should I be doing this? What am I doing? No. No. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, if I'm going to do this, it has Full to be throw. good, you know? So what was your approach then to yeah to creating the character do you call her Um, a character or is she you yeah it's a bit of a persona it's a bit of just me um it's for a long time i was referring it to like real girl drag because it's less sort of camp uh influenced and more sort of influenced from my musical influences right like debbie harry and cindy lopper like um annie lennox like that's that kind of stuff is what influences my drag more than than anything else. Um, I've, I've lost my train of thought, though. First, oh, yeah, this this month. So you uh, said, oh, yeah, in the I'm month. committed, I'm doing this. And then, like, what was the process of putting it all together? Yeah, and so this woman, Margot Keith, who is still a good friend today, she was a biological female 
who did drag, who did female drag, which is more and more common now, but at the time it wasn't. And she was a makeup artist as well. And so she did a lot of people's makeup. So she, yeah, so the hotness people were like, okay, you're going to do this thing. We're going to call you Regina the Gentle Lady because my own band was called Gentleman Reg. Do you know what? I am so stupid. I only just got that. I only just made that connection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, so <laughs> okay. why is it gently? But yeah, you've just answered that. Okay, right. sorry. That, that, that's my stupidity. Carry on. Well, you and everyone else. Um, I thought it was obvious, but apparently not. Um, oh, but hang on. Sorry. So you didn't even come up with your own name. You just got it foisted upon you. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. that's sad. I know. Well, I, I, have, I have since changed it to Regina Gently. But yes, originally it was The Gentle Lady. So for many years, it was Regina The Gentle Lady. And, um, and then Margot came up with my look. So she styled me and did my makeup. And, you know, because I didn't know, like I said, I was 35. I didn't know anything about makeup at that time. I didn't know... Why would you, yeah. Um, what to do, yeah. So I just focused on the performance and the songs I was going to do and being able to sing live. And, you know, I focused on that element, which is what I knew, and then got these other people to sort of focus on the rest. And then after the performance, you know, it, it was clear that I had sort of hit, um, I had struck, you know, a nerve in myself, a nerve in like everyone else who knew me. And um, from there, I just kept doing it. And then I was doing both. So there was like a big period where I was still doing indie rock, singer-songwriter. And then I started making dance music um, under another name, Light Fires. <laughs> and I was doing Light Fires as this drag persona, Regina, which um, is just too many la layers for people. And uh, it never caught on. As so like this initial like period of performance, were you doing Gentleman Reg songs or were you doing uh, like other covers or originals? Uh, well, the very first performance um, as Regina, I did a Bjork song, a cappella, And then I did um, Dancing on My Own by Robin. Because um, of course. And I sang live. And... It, which is hard to believe that, that how old that song is, but that song, when I did it, it had just come out like the week, that week. So it was like fresh, you know, people were seeing this new is Robin. This, is this like some kind of humble brag of like, I was there at the beginning? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just think it's when I say, if I didn't tell you that it, it was 10 years ago and I said I did Dancing on My Own, you would probably not... I don't know. I, f I don't feel like people like realize how long that song yes, has yeah. been out. Or, I'm sorry. I'm or sorry whatever. to pick on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, it just fit in with, you know, I really had to, that was the whole thing, right? I wanted to sing live, but I also didn't want to do like a Gaga song or something that you would see on Church Street. And at that time, you certainly wouldn't have seen Robin even. I mean, you would now, but... Mm -hmm. um, then I was like, ooh, Bjork, that makes sense. And like Robin, that makes sense. So it was just like all of those things. Um, and yeah, the first few things I did um, covers. And then I quickly, because I already had this band, Light Fires, like I was already making this dance music. And then I just thought, ooh, Regina will front Light Fires. And then from then on, I just started doing those songs. 
yeah. So I already had all this dance music that was just, yeah. Waiting there for you. It was you. just this weird lineup of things. But so because you had this support and this help in terms of like developing the aesthetic and doing the makeup, does that mean you didn't have like a long period of being busted? Like that is every drag queen's like rite of passage? Um, no, I was pretty busted. Um, <laughs> yeah, because the first year I had like one wig. You know what I mean? And I had, you know, because oh, yeah. I had what nothing. Do do? Like with wigs, you're not supposed to wash them, are you? Like, how do you clean them? Uh, you can wash them. Oh, okay. I mean, it's well, for sure, if they're real yeah. hair, you can wash them. But it, even synthetic, uh, you know, if it's not a crazy cheap one, um, no, you wash them. But you're supposed to, well, what I've been told is you're supposed to condition them. Like you put conditioner in them and it actually helps them. But but yeah, no, this, you know, I had this one outfit and this one wig for like my first bunch of performances. And it took quite some time for me to realize like, you know, how to shop. Like I just didn't know how oh, yeah. to so, cause was that, look feminine. Was that like a cardinal sin on the scene or did were people forgiving of it? The fact that you wore the same thing over and over? Um, no, people were forgiving for sure. Because, like, remember, I was singing live, and then I was doing original music too. So, that was kind of my, you know, your pass. I was like, well, you're not getting the greatest outfit or makeup, but <laughs> wait till I say, <laughs> there's no other queens in Toronto writing their own goddamn music. So, and, and so, what was that like? That that journey of figuring out all the stuff, like shopping and like tucking and stuff. Did you just kind of embrace that, or were you like, oh, I'm a, I'm a bit embarrassed because of my a little bit um a little bit of both yeah i sort of embraced it because i had to um i had a lot of support back then so margo but then also david haw this other makeup artist and people really wanted to help me back then so it was very thankful in terms of that like people just started giving me wigs or giving me like oh i have this old thing you know and then i just yeah started collecting stuff very slowly and figuring it out and um you know and then eventually like maybe five years later i actually went to makeup school i just because um, i thought like oh maybe that will be maybe i can do that as a job and i'll also learn a lot more about makeup and so yeah so my skills got got up and um but even now you know i i'm not a look queen let's say you know i wouldn't i'm not known for my you know makeup looks. Um, it's certainly improved from day one, but um, again, it, it, it's, that's never been, you know, I'm not trying to be famous on Instagram, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even though I'd like some of those sponsors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then let's go back to that first performance. Uh, like after doing it, you got a good reception, but mm -hmm. what were like what were your thoughts before going on? What were your thoughts when you were on stage? Like, how did that all feel? Um, I mean, it was the thing with the Beaver is it was not never had good sound, and it was certainly not meant for live singing mm -hmm. or um, you know music. Um, so it wasn't like a venue with a stage and, you know, we just sort of turned the upper floor into the stage and, but the speakers were pointing towards the stage, which is like, yeah, not yeah. what they're supposed to be going the other way yeah. towards the audience, uh, which, you know, that fucks up the microphone and, 
and but there and then there would be a bit of a performance in the round vibe if it was really packed there because so there were actually during my thing there were people like all behind me in the back hallway like it was like a pretty crazy packed um, party um so yeah i was thinking about okay first time walking in high heels um they were way too small my feet were killing like, can I, you know, am I going to fall? I was thinking about how do I not feed back with this mic when I'm singing? Like, I did the Bjork song acapella because I thought like, ooh, it'll be really dramatic. It will just be like this acapella thing and then I'll bust into dancing on my own. And so that's the kind of stuff I was thinking of, really. And, um, and then just, you know, all these people that had known me for 10 years like in indie rock, seeing me, you know, as this female persona, it was just, um, yeah, the whole, it was just like a really fun moment. And uh, We talked about like overcoming some of that snobbery that comes from being part of a, a different scene. Was that something that was ongoing or like when you were in it, were you just like, yeah, okay, this is what I'm doing? Or was there any kind of residual... Uh, concerns or worries about your peers in in the music scene looking down on what you were doing? Um, yes and no. It was more... The thing that really got me is that people were just so confused. Um, so people couldn't get that I, you know was like still being a singer songwriter, but then I also had started this female persona. And so like, um, yeah, so that, and, and, you know, like you said, like my, my singer songwriter was called gentleman Reg. And then this is Regina, the gentle lady. So like they're, the names are connected. My name is Reg as a boy. So it's like all of it's very connected via the name and stuff, but people still couldn't, figure out like oh that you're still doing that and then this is something else and yeah i mean for sure the indie rock people were like oh what <laughs> what are you doing you're dressing as a woman and 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 the style like i said i sort of had this real girl drag style so it was like sort of you know it wasn't priscilla queen of the desert drag it was like it was like uh me as Understated. like joan yeah. jett sort of just with like jeans you know and like jeans oh, no, is, like, i don't know much about drag but i know that's not allowed surely <laughs> i know well you should see regina in some jean shorts she can rock oh, oh, some jean shorts thing, isn't it? yeah okay all right carry on <laughs> yeah her leg you know she's her legs have done her well yeah so that was the biggest hurdle really was figuring out um or other people figuring out what i'm doing but I didn't really care. Like, I didn't think like, oh, people aren't going to take this seriously. Or um, at the end of the day, it was kind of like a different, it was like a different crew that was into one and then a different crew that was into the other. And some crossover, of course, but, you know, just because somebody liked me as a singer-songwriter, they're not necessarily going to like me as a woman writing yeah, dance absolutely. Music, right? there like is it's, also this kind of entitlement that a lot of fans have. And like, I just wonder if that played on your mind at all, if, if you were thinking about those people who feel as though they, like feel as though you shouldn't change because of who you're presented in as your own. Right. And like, 
not wanting to disappoint them, right. even though they shouldn't be entitled in the first place, and that that whole spiral. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't think about that. I mean, to be fair, like I don't think either of my personas got uh, well known enough to sort of warrant that kind of like betrayal, feeling of betrayal <laughs> in a fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and and uh, and totally honest, uh, like so many people don't even know. You know, like I get messages all the time on my Gentleman Reg socials, like, you know, like, what are you up to these days? Or like, do you still make music? You know, like, so there's like a whole sector of people that like have no idea that I, that I even do drag. Mm. Um, and so then like, so coming to the scene, being this new old queen, oh, I shouldn't have said that, sorry. You know where I'm going, right? Uh-huh. Like, what what was that like <laughs> in Toronto? Especially because at this point, like, Drag Race hadn't, like, exploded. And it, it was a thing, but it wasn't, like, a phenomenon. What was it like kind of negotiating the scene? Yeah, no, Drag Race season one had just aired. Like, that's how, that's when I started. And, you know, had nothing to do with Drag Race. But, yeah, no, so, it, and that season... Yeah, like like you said, like it was some people watched it, but it was not like anything like it is now. Um, no, it was great. I mean, it took a long time for me to go to Church Street, which is our like gay village. So for the longest time, yeah, I just performed at the Beaver. I performed at the Hen House, which was um, a more lesbian themed West End gay bar. Um, some of the boutique hotels, like the Gladstone was doing queer nights in the West End. Yeah, like it sort of started, there were just things doing queer nights. And then and then because I had this original dance music and I sort of had my music bass, like uh, doing indie rock, I started getting shows. So I started opening for like Peaches, um, Big Frida, Hercules and the Love Affair. Mm queer, you know, queer dance artists who would come to town. Like I got a lot of opening gigs, um, Ostra, Diamond Rings. Like it was really good for a period. I, I, you know, I did some new shows in New York. I toured in Europe a bit. So it was a kind of exciting time, like the first few years, even though my drag was like not fancy by any means. Was getting I sort of like went into the, the world of electronic, like queer artists more than drag yeah and then and then at a certain point i was like oh i want to explore the village and i i would do some shows over there but um ah okay that was going to be my follow-up question like did you did you have a certain snobbery about the village well in the sense that i didn't really hang out there you know and no one knew me there and when i started when i did perform there i really had to invite friends to come like to support me um the odd person would like be like, oh my God, thank you for singing live. And then, you know, most of the bar would just be like, what, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah. So I stopped that quite quickly. Um, but then also around that time I started DJing as Regina. Uh, so I did, so that kind of, I kind of got into the village more as a DJ, like a in drag. Um, but I, but I don't perform there at all really. And it's 
fine because it's not what they want. Well, that's a lot of effort to spin records, isn't it? Putting on like a whole bunch of makeup and a dress or jean shorts. It certainly is. <laughs> yes, it's insane. And I don't, re- I don't recommend anyone to ever do it. Um, how did you get better at walking in the shoes? Um, well, the, that first pair of heels, they were just too damn small. They were too tight. They were plastic. <laughs> And they were just too small. Like my feet hurt within five minutes of having them on. So yeah, then you learn like, you know, you just have to buy bigger shoes. Open toe or an open toe is nice. And um, I don't know. I just really took to, um, I took to it. And then my persona was pretty like, at least initially, the music was more sort of electro based and um, Regina was pretty intense and, and I would like jump on things. Like I was sort of known for like, I would climb on the bar, you know, and I would dance on the bar and I would, if there was anything I could grab onto, I would climb on it and I would stand on stools and I would like in high heels. And then that sort of became like, Oh my God, like, you know, is she going to fall? Like, um, and, and so the question is, did you ever fall? Did I ever fall? Not from a stool. Um, you know what? The most dramatic thing, actually, and this was at the Beaver, was I used to climb on the bar, like I said. And this one performance, the Beaver had installed ceiling fans. And I didn't, they were never there when I worked there. And suddenly there were ceiling fans and I jumped up on the bar and I stood up and I got hit in the head <laughs> with a spinning <laughs> ceiling fan. And I kid you not, like I think my wig, because it had long bangs, like kind of saved my head because... Um, From decapitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, that was like... I think has to be the most dramatic thing. Cause like everyone was like freaking out. Like, cause it was, you know, you're just like, Oh my God, is that top of my head going to be sliced off? But say so like, so you stood up and it hit you. And then like, so you didn't get like, you didn't fall back or anything. It just like, hit I didn't you. fall. Yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't the strongest, um, you know, <laughs> it wasn't a high powered, uh, no, come on. You can machinery. Some of the details. It's fine. It did. I, I, it did cut my head. I did. <gasps> I was like, you know, it was like a trickle oh, of blood shit. was streaming down the forehead of my head. So I was cut. There was an injury, but I didn't fall back. That's to your kudos as an act though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, <laughs> I mean, I wish someone caught that on video, but um, yeah, I can't think of a fall though, which is crazy, you know, knock on wood, I guess, because I really, I also was kind of got known for doing high kicks. Like I wasn't a dancer, like I can't do the splits or death drops, but I can do high kicks. And so that sort of became my like thing. And then doing them in high heels. You did that in the middle of an acapella Bjork number then? No, that didn't come, (laughs) that didn't come till later. That wasn't performance number one. (sighs) That was a little bit later I discovered I could high kick in a high heel and, uh, and but did you do that thing that like the that the queens on um, Drag Race do, where it's just like this has no place in this song, but I want to show off the fact that I can do it? Or were you a bit more like understated in your decision making? 
Well, I was doing my own music, right? So it was sort of like, I'm just doing my thing in my music. It's not like I, I would never do like a Celine Dion ballad. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, wait, I just have to like stop you there. Every mm-hmm. single person I speak to from Canada brings up Celine Dion. Oh, really? What is, it, what is about that? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. I mean, do you guys know her in the UK? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of okay. course. Okay. But is she like a, a subject at school or like what, what is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, university <laughs> course. Um, she has, she's just this crazy Quebecois phenomenon, you know? She's French. She's from Quebec. Um. She's been around from the 80s. Um, She dated her manager who was so much older. Like, it's like a weird, it's like a crazy thing. And now she's like a fashion icon. Like, I don't know. There's just so much to her. And she has this incredible voice. I mean, I can't say I listen to her. (laughs) Um, But when I DJ, people will sometimes request her. What? They request her? Yeah, club. because there's all these dance, you know, there's all these like dance. Oh, okay. So there's like a Celine Dion. Remix or... Yes, exactly. So so what's your favorite Celine Dion song? Um... Gonna, I will be judging you based on your answer. <laughs> I, I can't say I have a favorite. On, like... You have to have a link. You have to have one. I mean, like, do you? Yeah. Yes, of course you I do? do. Yes. Oh, I think I have two well... actually. Oh, wow. Okay, I need, I need to know what they are. <laughs> no, no. So, so you're just saying, like, point blank, you, you don't have, like, a go-to Celine Dion song? Yeah, I'm not a fan, sadly. Sorry to just Well, I'm not a fan either. As a Canadian. I can admire some of her work. Um, Think Twice is amazing. Okay. You don't know what that is, do you? I, I don't know, not by name. Oh. Okay, and it's all coming back to me now is ridiculously amazing. Right. No, I'm not selling you on any of these. <laughs> you don't you don't give a shit, do you? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a classic um for sure. That's something I also DJ at weddings sometimes and that's like a classic, you know, wedding DJ sort of number. That you know, that is a punch this guy. Yeah. Like Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's incredible. Anyway, <laughs> So I'm not going to keep talking about Celine Dion. Um, so Beaver kind of continued to be like your home in terms of Regina. Hmm. Yes. So while I was working there, I worked there for six years and then I stopped in 20, end of 2011, 2012. I did this big tour of Europe in the end of 2011. And that was kind of like the final tour. The owners were like, okay, like we need, you know, it was, there was weird management at that point. There was like these weird managers and they didn't really know me. And, and anyways, they were like, yeah, you can go on this tour, but like, we kind of need someone to do your shifts like consistently. So, so that was how it ended. Um, and then, but then it like, yeah, I kept performing there, DJing there, hanging out there. Like it stayed in my life for quite a while. Um, what was your favorite thing about the audiences there? Well, it w- I mean, there were so few places to go like that, that it brought all the, you know, the fun queer art fags. And, and it was a very mixed spot. You know, a lot of people think it was a lesbian bar because it was called the Beaver, but it was like very much a queer bar. And it was also, 
you know, when we would have brunch, it was like families or whoever went, was going out for brunch. Like it was sort of like all things. And that's very unusual, at least in Toronto, like, the, you know, the gay bars that are in the village are gay bars, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like straight bars. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's very few queer bars like that. And, um, and, and so when you heard about the Beaver closing, what, what did that stir up for you? Um, on the one hand, I was not surprised. On the other hand, I figured, so I hadn't really been going there much in the last, like, I don't know, at least five plus years, um, doing the odd DJ gig there. So it wasn't a big part of my life anymore, but, um, you know, but it always was at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, so when it closed, yeah, I was not surprised. So the building, the whole like block that the beaver is on had been, has been sold right to a developer. So I knew it was just a matter of time. I think there was like a five year thing where it was going to all be torn down. So it was still there and it was actually doing really well as a bar, but I knew that someday, like I knew the, the building had actually been sold, um, but they were just keeping the venue open. So it was sort of just like, oh, this is just happening sooner than we thought it was going to. You know, there was talk of somebody buying it and there were like these hints of, you know, there were all these like kids doing parties there. So there were all these fun queer parties of young kids. And once in a while they would ask me to DJ. So I sort of did have some like, I was seeing this like new gen thing and like, I, and at first that, it, at first it was like, it took me a while to adjust, you know, you're like, oh, who are these, you know, people? And then you're like, oh, right. They're the ones going there now all the time. Yeah. You know, I don't go there all the time anymore. So, um, and then they started asking me to DJ the on time for their parties. And I realized like, oh, they're actually doing like interesting things here. And, um, And, you know, it's funny being, like, older and realizing, like, oh, they don't even, like, a lot of them, most of them don't even know. Mm, Like, mm. they don't even know Will Monroe. They don't even know Hot Nuts. Mm. They don't even know, like, like they kind of think they're, like, the first people to do this or something. Isn't it fair? Like, oh, can we just talk about that quickly? Yeah. It's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. The thing that keeps, like, making me go, like, what? What's going on? Is when people talk about, like, when fully grown adults are, like, yeah, I've loved Lady Gaga since I was a kid and she's been such an inspiration to me and she's like taught me so much about myself. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like Lady Gaga's been around for like three years. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then like realizing like, oh shit, there are like people who like don't remember a world before Lady Gaga. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like you don't remember mm-hmm. a world before Celine Dion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or Madonna, like when the kids don't really know Madonna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of like, like, how did that escape you? Like, how have you not Mm -hmm. seen her? And that's the thing. If they don't know, if kids don't know Madonna, like they certainly don't know like who the the local Toronto (laughs) queens were from 10 years ago. Well, I don't see why they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, luckily, you know, at least in that scene, those are the kind of people that actually would want to find out about the history, you know? I feel like in the mainstream, like on our church street, like that scene really, really doesn't care about like the history. At least in this scene, like people are more like, you know, at least some of them want to know that kind of stuff. 
Um, it is fascinating having that perspective when you are a young person in like thinking that your generation is the, the one that's like doing all of these things mm-hmm. and kind of not recognizing that it's happened and before and then before that it happened and then before mm-hmm. that it happened. And when you kind of get to a point where you're right. like, oh shit, oh yeah, we're really reductive. <laughs> right. Well, and even me, like, you know, I, I was not the first drag queen to sing their own music, you know, it certainly wasn't common um, in Toronto, that's for sure. But I mean, there were many, you know, many people have done it before. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I never pretended like I was the person. <laughs> I guess that's the difference. And so then if you think back on what that venue ha- has meant in your life, what, mm-hmm. uh, what did it teach you about yourself? Um, gosh, it taught me, um, it really, like, I really came into myself, I think, via that bar. I mean, I would say that's true of the the parties Will was doing before, like Vaseline. I think that's where, that's where I started to, um, to know the queer alternative scene in Toronto was through Vaseline. And, um, and that's where I really came out of my shell as well. And that's, around when I joined the hidden cameras and, and so, you know, but that was a monthly, so that was once a month, right? And it was this huge deal, but it was monthly. And the beaver was open seven days a week. So suddenly, you know, there was this, you could do that kind of stuff every day. You could be that person every day. You could, you know, have those parties every night of the week kind of thing. Do you have any memories of The Beaver or clubbing from your own queer scene that you want to share? Well, if you do, please get in touch. I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories about nightlife. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find the section Share a Lost Space and tell me all about what you got up to. And if you want to hear more about The Beaver, check out the episodes with Prawn Waters and Casey Messia, which you can find in your podcast player. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Lost Spaces Pod. Find out more about Regina on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch. Her user profile is Regina Gently on all three. So convenient. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I have been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and will be releasing songs over the next year. You can hear the first single, Well Groomed Boys, which is also playing underneath my talking right now on all streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on your podcast platform, or just told people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.